Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Audio Frontier. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. Yeah, we're coming now. Welcome to Wrestling Daft The Marks, hailing from Larbra, weighing in at 178 pounds. I am John, producer of Wrestling Daft and host of this show. And with me, a man bigger than the great, massive, massive big fish that Braun Strowman caught the other day. See his Instagram and Twitter for details on that. It's Big Alex. Do I weigh more than Braun Strowman's giant fish? I, you probably have you seen the size of this fish by the I way? I have seen the size of the fish, and I'm saying the fish should have eaten Braun Strowman, not the other way round. He's putting Robson Green to shame. I think it might have job? been uh, might have been easier for him to catch uh, catch Bobby fish rather than that fish. I think. <laughs> and the man who is a big fan of the pun uh, and drops more names in WWE creative team drop shite challenges on the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. <laughs> It's Gary Cassidy. How you doing, Gary? I'm not too bad, but I'm preparing myself for you not to like my raw putovers already. Oh, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. God. Well, we know where this is going to go then. Um, how you boys been doing in isolation? You've been okay? Slowly, slowly. I can't complain at all. Yeah, the, the, the moustaches are doing, you're doing very well with the moustaches. You're putting Bobby Fish to shame with those moustaches, boys. I, I can never quite look. It's whenever I go outside and people are looking at me weird and then I'm like, oh, it's because I have a giant moustache on my face. I've just become the normality now. Yeah, you blinked a bit what Magnum P.I. That's a very Tom Selleck moustache you've got going on. <laughs> it's it's ungroomed today. I haven't I haven't went for any twists, but it's uh, uh, it's just well, hanging. It's just, just, just chilling out. Gary looks like he should be in some sort of, you know, uh, portrait with his moustache. You know, like one of these old... He looks quite uh, French, doesn't he? Yeah. I need to twist right up because <laughs> I keep getting told I look um, like Mr. Miyagi when I have it down because it's like very hangy. So like, I need to twist mine up every day. <laughs> so it's our very own uh, version of Moustache Mountain on the Wrestling Daft Marks podcast. And if you want to see the moustaches in all their glory, uh, you can get onto our Patreon, sign up, you'll get a video version of this podcast. Uh, patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft um, we'll get on to all the wrestling stuff we'll look at uh, what we've got coming up in the show but first of all I thought it'd be worthwhile we're a year on into AEW and we have our second double or nothing pay-per-view it's the anniversary of the AEW pay-per-view so I thought let's just have a look at the, the card for, for this weekend and, and just run through it with our resident expert Alex and, and yourself Gary so it's looking like a decent card Alex what are your thoughts? I think it's looking really good. I mean, one of the first things I have to do and bury or put over is bury myself for my initial reaction to the to the Casino Royale ladder match. I think they've 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 managed to make it interesting. They've added some rules, and now I'm kind of of the opinion that it's smart booking because we didn't really get our traditional money in the bank ladder match. So they're giving us a more traditional ladder match to kind of fill in that hole. 
So let's start with that then, um, casino ladder match. What what are these new rules? Because I've not seen this. What are the rules to it? Is it just a ladder match like Money in the Bank? Or no, it- so they've kind of combined it with uh, kind of a more uh, st- uh, steeped entrance, sorry, staggered entrance kind of theme. So I believe one competitor enters after a certain amount of right. time. But so it's like a Royal, can- Royal Rumble meets Money in the Bank. Yeah, but you yeah. can pull down the case at any point. So it, there doesn't need to be all the competitors in the match. Right. Okay. So, okay. That, that's an interesting spin, that, actually. Yeah, quite well done. So in that match, you've got Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana, Cabana, Ray Phoenix, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Luchasaurus, and TBA. Do you know who my, who's your pick for TBA for the To Be Confirmed? I think I have quite an interesting one. Ah, it's, 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 it's going to be Sean Spears. He's not on the card, is he? Sean, maybe, but my other one is, if you look around, you're missing inner circle from that match. So could we get mm. Sammy Guevara coming out with the neck brace and posing with it the whole match, only to pull it off at some point and scamp up the ladder? Ooh, that's a great shout. Um, I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be like a new signing, someone we've not seen. I had a wee feeling it might be Brian Cage. Uh, that was my, my thoughts, but... I like the Sammy Guevara one. I really like that. Are, are any of the any of the WWE talent available at this time? I don't think they are, are they? No. Um, maybe... Only people for NXT. Not no one that. Oh wait, well, the Revi- revival would be because their contracts expired. Drew Gulak was because his contract expired, but everyone else is until July. Ding as well. <laughs> oh <laughs> come right. on now. No, no, because <laughs> the Sting thing, right? The more I think about it, I'm, I, I reckon the Sting thing was maybe his contract just expired because if he, he'd have signed a contract round about WrestleMania season. So it would have made sense that maybe his Legends deal just expired uh, and Alex, just let him go. Like, go like, not in the match, but to appear. Not in the match. Sting, right? I was going to say Sting in a ladder match. Come on. No, I, don't, I don't want to see him in the ladder match. Maybe he turns up and uh, takes somebody out with a baseball bat so Darby Allen can win. He'd That's struggle to get up a ladder and just to change a light bulb. Never mind <laughs> getting a belt off and winning pole. Um, it's true. So, yeah, I think Casino had a match. I, I, you poo your picks for that one. I can, I can see it being the surprise entrant or Darby Allen. Whether or not anything comes with this Darby Allen Paz relationship or something, or that somehow manifests its way in, potentially. Oh, Taz, what about Taz? There's a, there's a shout for the, the surprise entrant, Taz. He I don't, he said that he can't work anymore. Right, um, okay. He said that he can't I But I think he might turn on Darby Allen and help Orange Cassidy win because they both like wearing sunglasses and they both love the colour color orange. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's good enough. That's enough connection for me too. I'm going to go with Gary. I think Orange Cassidy's going to win it. I think, and then just <laughs> then he'll just have the have the, the contract for ages because he can't be arse cashing it in. No, I think I think Cassidy versus Moxley could be a great match because you could get total Moxley violence on it and Cassidy could just sit and take it and you could have a really interesting Orange Cassidy hardcore match. Well, let's uh, run through some of the other matches uh, in, on the, the buy-in and the, on the, the, pre, the pre-show. We've got Best Friends versus Private Party. That should be a decent match, eh? I'm, I'm hoping they continue with his that. Best Friends push and give them and give them a title shot. They've been, they've been like kind of support, like one of the cornerstones of the brand since Corona. <laughs> and I think it's deserved that they deserve some kind of they deserve at least a, a title match anyway yep so best friends in that one for you Gary the same I'm thinking best friends yeah same reason as Alex I think they deserve I think they've been brilliant even going before the corona stuff I think they've been absolutely brilliant ever since the start and it'd be nice to see them freshen up the tag team division a wee bit way in terms of the title shot so 
Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. It's, there's got to be a push on for Baker in that one. Surely continue right. to push her, or do you think Stat, they'll, they'll start building Statlander off the back of that? I can see them going with Britt. They gave, they've had been a bit stop-starty with, Stat, with uh, Santander. As well. <laughs> um, <laughs> because like she came in, she got a bit of a push quite quickly, and she is very much just fizzled back down to the... Yeah. Not that you can really call it a mid-card in a women's division at the moment, but she's fallen down the pecking order. Yeah. Okay, uh, but you you on Brit as well, Gary? Aye. Aye. I, I, yeah. Same, yeah. A few months ago, I think it would have been a no-brainer that it was Chris uh, Statlander, but I think it's definitely Brit Baker now. It has to be. Um, now, MJF versus Jungle Boy, that's quite an interesting one for me because obviously, you know, MJF's been away for a wee bit in terms of, you know, the, the whole virus thing. So this is kind of his in-ring return, really. He was, on, uh, he was in Dynamite last week. Yeah. Swap, a, a, bold, uh, a bold prediction for his, his involvement in this pay-per-view. I think he's uh, I think he's winning against Jungle Boy, but then I think he shows up at the end and he's the guy that takes the punch for Mike Tyson. Right. I could also see them putting either MJF or Jungle Boy into the casino ladder match and having them pull double duty, but I think it would be a bit of a waste to bother yeah. having both on the same card. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a cracking match. I, I, I can't. I've got to see MJF in that one. I've, I've got to see MJF just. I can see you getting a bit shady because they do have MGF versus uh, Marco Stunt this week and I can see Wardlow being yeah. a little bit of a douchebag to a certain Mr. Stunt on this week's Dynamite. Yeah, okay. And, uh, um, in our circle, the stadium stampede match, first of all, we're going to get, we'll get to who do you think is winning. What the hell is, are we expecting from a stadium stampede match? Is it going to be, I've foreseen it, that there's going to be the two groups at either end of the stadium and then they'll run at each other on the football field and then it's like just a fight How I think he'll you... just be like a, a, a kind of a com- reasonably comedy kind of backstage in a stadium kind of brawl thing I think I think it's going to be one produced and I think they'll take advantage of the setting if you, you will right. I reckon you'll see them backstage in the changing rooms people throwing open off chairs you know, maybe someone takes a bump off the stadium I think it's been essentially a tornado tag but in the stadium somewhere Essentially, just a tornado tag with a nice background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other big question is, who's representing the elite? Because some sites are listing Matt Hardy, some sites are listing Adam Page. Um, oh, I was going to say I've got the official press release in front of me, but all it says is the elite versus inner circle. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> because we obviously we haven't seen Page in a while, and it might make sense to potentially put Hardy in the match, and then have Page come back halfway through the match and be annoyed that he wasn't in the match. Or I think there's storyline potential there as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let's move on to the, the, the big uh, title shot. So let's start off. The TNT title, Cody Rhodes versus Lance Archer with Mike Tyson presenting the title. This is very sounds very 1990s WWCW, doesn't it? Uh, is, it is, is Mike Tyson an upgrade or a downgrade from Jack Whitehall? Jack Whitehall? Because you know, Jack Whitehall was the first one to bring out the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and now yeah. and then it was Bret Hart. Oh, <laughs> now they've got Mike Tyson. So we've got all about that. We're up in the world a little bit there, really, haven't they? Uh, yeah, definite upgrade from Jack Whitehall, and definitely harder as well. Um, I th- they're not going to put the belt on Cody, are they? It's the hardest match to call on the card. I think, you know, um, Cody, I was on a conference call with him a while ago and he completely shot down the idea of a mid-card title being called a mid-card title because he said, you know, it should be the title, the workhorse title, like the Intercontinental Championship was over the years, the one that, you know, the person that holds it 
tries to make the product better. For that reason, I think he might be the person that takes it, but I'm sticking with my prediction that MGF costing him the match and Mike Tyson punching him. Or maybe it doesn't cost him the match. Maybe he tries to interfere, Mike Tyson punches him, and then Cody wins. Yeah. The more, the more I think about it, I can see Cody winning here and then dropping it quite quickly. Just, to, just so Cody's the inaugural champion, because I think he, de- he deserves to okay. be the inaugural okay. champion. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. You'll get a big moment, and then I think you might have him drop it to Archer or someone in the coming weeks, potentially. Yeah. Okay, um, go with that. Uh, the women's title, Nyla Rose. When was she, has she defended this title yet? I can't even remember if she's actually defended. This is his first defence. I think she did. I she think not she's defended. No, wait, was there no the there was a defense where it was her versus Chris Statlander versus Rio? Was there not? Yeah, I think so. That was kind of I... towards the end of that Statlander push. So yeah, I think yeah. she's defended it once before. Rio's definitely had some kind of rematch. It was that because that's when Chris Statlander was meant to get our singles title shot and then couldn't make it because there was some booking thing that happened. Uh, uh, well, I. But I mean, it's, it's I mean. Obviously, Resident AEW is a bit. This is a bit. Of a, it's not really had a build. It's kind of come out of nowhere. This one, hasn't it? And Shida has been the number one contender for a while. They've been booking Shida strong for a while, and I think just with the ranking system and it being a pay per view, a you need to have a women's defense, and b you don't. The advantage of the rankings is you don't need to have a storyline behind it. It yeah, makes okay. sense. You have your champion versus your number one contender. So lazy, almost in a way, but it's the right match to do. I think. Yeah, so Nyla keeping the title. Yeah, Nyla yeah. keeping the title. I can see that. I can. I don't. I don't know what they're going to do with this women's division yet, but I can see Nyla having a bit of a run. I think I've got a feeling that Nyla wins this, but then loses it against their next opponent because I think the, the way they've built it now, I think AEW's women's division is finally starting to take shape, and I think the way they kick that off properly is by having you know somebody like a Britt Baker beat her for the title and then go on for there. And finally, the big title shot, uh, Moxley versus Brody Lee. Um, how do we see this one? Good performance from Moxley. I mean, I think this is more to put... Uh, it's probably, for me, it's way too early to give Brody the title shot, but I'm assuming with the situation, they're just trying to present him as a main event talent and throwing him directly into the main event. I like it's. I don't see him winning. I'm not a big fan of him stealing the belt, but at the same time, I think it's a good chance for him to demonstrate how good of a wrestler he is. Yeah. Do you think maybe Dark Dark Order turn on him? No, that's far too early, isn't it? Too early, way too early. I I think it's odd that they've put him in the the title picture considering they've got a ranking system. That's the thing that kind of annoyed me, but it might be just to present him as a main event, or I think it'll be a good match, enjoyable match, but John Moxley has to come out with the belt. Yeah. I think so. I all agreed on that one. So yeah, uh, that should be a good card this weekend. I uh, look forward to watching that. We'll catch up and get all the buddies and putovers on that next week. Uh, this week, however, um, loads going on. Uh, Gary's been back out on the interview trail this week. We had Christian last week. This week, who are you bringing us, Gary? Um, a man who may just be retiring from wrestling at the tender age of 25 and Leo Rush. And what does Leo Rush have to say for himself in this interview we're going to hear? A lot, well, let's be uh, honest. I, I, um, I'll, I'll say this was conducted a couple of days before all the Mark Henry stuff happened, if anybody's seen that. So it was a wee bit before that, a couple of days before that. Um, but I interviewed him way back last year when he was on that brief hiatus from WWE. Um, and he didn't really want to say too much, burn too many bridges. 
this time that wasn't really a problem at all. Uh, he was quite happy to to tell me anything that I answered to anything I asked. Um, so he told me a wee bit about um, his relationship with Vince McMahon, and then he told me all about how he clashed a lot with Triple H, which was quite an interesting tale, and also how he came back after the hiatus to win yeah. gold. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that because uh, obviously all the Mark Henry stuff's come out now as well. So you'll be gutted it's just come out now, Gary. You'd be itching to ask him something about that. Aye, that would be perfect, but I will. <laughs> that's how it goes. You may have cancelled the interview after that anyway, so Aye, that's <laughs> true. avoid being asked those questions. So you'll be able to hear uh, Gary's catch-up with Leo Rush later on the show. On Fantasy Booking Island today, it was a shock win for Gary last week. He got a point on the board. Uh, so it's me against Alex, and what are we booking, Mr. Cassidy? Well, uh, this was following on from my, my thought about AEW's women's division and that the next champion could kick off everything. But rather than close it to AEW, I decided that you could book any any next women's champion from any promotion anywhere. So who wins the title and then how they win it and what they do with it. Right, so that that's good. I am currently scribbling down notes as we speak to try and remember my booking that I came up with last night. So preparation, we, preparation, preparation. Absolutely. Uh, all of you just are going to be burying putting over stuff from the weekly shows. Uh, we've actually got a guest mark this week from the world of ICW. He works in the creative and producer there. Scott Reed's going to be joining us. Uh, he is actually, I, as he's a guest mark coming onto the show, usually we get the listeners to do SmackDown. But as he's an invited guest, I said, what? Do you want to do? And he chose SmackDown. So great. So <laughs> Scott's going to be doing SmackDown for us and we'll talk a wee bit more about the creative and uh, his work in ICW as well. And Gary will have all the news from the business as usual. But first, it's time to cut a promo. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Right. I'll tell you something, Alex and Gary. Here's what I've got to cut a promo on this week. Legends and the return of legends. Now, I was sitting watching NXT quite happily all day, and then suddenly on screen, DX on NXT tonight. Now, it turns out, at first I was like, oh my God, why, oh why are they putting, you know, bringing someone, old talent back into a new product, which is meant to shine spotlights on new talent. But luckily, it was just to say that we're doing, you know, in your house for NXT. Fine, fine. But it got me thinking, the return of legends. We all remember that moment at WrestleMania when Hogan and Rock and Austin came down and, you know, had a drink in the ring. I think that was the same WrestleMania that cost Cody Rhodes, you know, there was time restrictions and Cody Rhodes didn't get a match on the card as a result of that. And it just got me thinking again, it's like, Bringing back legends. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Now, AEW's starting to go a wee bit this way as well now. So we've got Arn Anderson there. We've got Jake Roberts. We've talked about Sting there, you know. Now, I get why people do this. They get, you know, eyes on the product, I guess. But it, it's not the future, is it? It's not the future of the product. It's not the future of wrestling. It's things, something of yesteryear. I mean, there's people that my age, remember Sting, remember the Gorriers, and yet we, we wheel out these has-beens who struggle to get to the ring on, you know, and if you've watched the Undertaker documentary recently, you know, these poor old guys, I mean, these are old men getting wheeled out and taking bumps and doing things like that, you know, 
I, I do think that Mr. and Mr. Mark Calloway would take big offence to you using the term wheeled out, considering he has literally been wheeled out in a golf buggy at WrestleMania before. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Product. Maybe take it away from the Undertaker. But these, these legends... Goldberg is the one that popped into my head there the second you started Goldberg, talking. I was like, Goldberg is the perfect I mean, example for me. You look at the, the shows in Saudi and things like that, it just... <laughs> and just harks back and you get left to the question is and this is what leaves the product I mean fair enough you'll get eyes on the product you'll get buy rates you'll get whatever you want from it but you just go it's not as good as it used to be I remember these guys back in the heyday you know when when there was storyline there was creative and it just takes your eyes off the current product which these guys are trying their best to, to elevate to, to what it used to be like. but then I think they undo all the good work by feeling out these legends and just go, do you know what? It's not as good as it used to be, did it? Is it? Do you know, would you not say there's a certain time and a place for a legend? And it's not so much the legend returns themselves, but how certain companies are using said legends. I, like, I was going to say Impact Wrestling do a brilliant job with theirs because they've got Ken Shamrock, RVD, Rhino, and ooh, there's another one, Tommy Dreamer. And they use them perfectly. They put over young talent really well using those four guys. Um, but like like you said, the Undertaker next or this week's um, the one that airs on Sunday is the all about the crown jewel match between Undertaker, Kane, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H, oh. where they all call it a train wreck, and you know they're one of the worst matches ever. So that might prove your point. <laughs> I, just, I think I, well, I quite like it when they bring them back as managers. I like it when they find them a new role. I, I don't like. Do you know what, Alex? I don't mind that, and that's why I'm sort of giving the AEW pass on this. If you know, if they put Jake in the ring, then you can take then you can take them apart, and I will be right behind but I'm all for attaching older legends to newer stars right. as managers. In fact, I would encourage it. Okay, well, Although, would, uh, would Jake the Snake being in a match be any worse than what he done to Brandy Rhodes? No. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it was shorter than a match, right? <laughs> My point being, and the promo I'd like to cut here is, I just think legends stay at home for a wee bit and let's get the light on the other talent and let's build to the future, not the past. Also, none of you should be taking this risk right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. And then stay at home. <laughs> right, get your Wrestling Daft merch now. You can get lots of merch and look COVID cool while in lockdown. That's what my new phrase is. Uh, you can get yourself all the t-shirts with all the catchphrases from the show while you lounge about your house. You can get a Wrestling Daft t-shirt on. You can get I'm a wrestler, Tay. I'm going to take a bump for you. Chips, cheese and donna meat. Margaret, there's the fiend. And our favourite here on this show, of course, I'm a Mark. Um, our new design is getting voted on um, this week. So we'll be having a new design, and that is based on uh, Alexa versus Grado. So you'll be able to see the designs. We're going to get you to vote on your favourite, and that will be up this week. And we are offering 15% off our T-shirts right now, if you're listening um, from Wednesday onwards up till the weekend. Uh, so you get 15% off all our merch in the merch store not only are we doing t-shirts now though um, you can because everyone's going to be bringing these out right it's not just going to be us now if you've heard the main show Rab and Grado slagged me off for bringing out our own range of wrestling daft face masks now you know old school wrestling promoters you know I'm like the Vincent McMahon of wrestling daft I've got to try and make the money here there and everywhere so you can get yourself a wrestling daft 
face mask right now. Um, I think we need to ban Kid Fight from ever coming back on the show. He's obviously influenced you a little bit too much in this respect, John. Listen, Kid Fight would be very proud if you've not if we don't know what you're talking about. Listen to previous episodes to the fact that Kid Fight is a massive merch seller. He would be I think we need Rey Mysterio medical masks. Definitely Rey Mysterio Absolutely. medical masks. So yeah, you uh, just thinking more like psychosis, so you can get the horns as well, you know, <laughs> like all the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, so you get lots of t-shirts and you get the face mask out and phone covers as well. Loads of merch up on our merch store. You can get it all shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft. That's shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft. You can check out the links. They'll be up on our Facebook and our Twitter as well. If you do buy a t-shirt, please send us a pic on social media so we can put you in our Hall of Fame. Uh, so get your t-shirts, your hoodies, your phone covers, and your masks. Shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling down. So every week on Wrestling Daft and Marks, we like to go through the big shows from the weekend. We like to bury it and put over stuff from that shows because we're just that fucking nasty. Um, at this point, we always like to bring on a fellow Mark um, to... to do one of the shows and this week it's a special guest mark as we invite from icw scott reed how you doing scott oh good so you guys not bad at all not bad at all can i quickly interject john can you call someone who works in the industry a mark (laughs) we're all marked alex we're all marks (laughs) we're all wrestling fans we're all wrestling fans we're all marks Uh, just for people who don't know what you do at icw scott could you explain Mm -hmm. What your position is there? Um, like a producer, like myself and Dallas write the shows, and um, that's like my main job title. But as we work in ICW, there's 75 other jobs that are under that umbrella because um, there's like five of us, you know what I mean? So we've all got our own, we've got our main job, and then we've got the other jobs that we're doing. <laughs> so, you know, I'll work with the guys on the social media, I'll edit videos. But my main job is to, to write and book the shows with Alice, basically. I was going to say, the one thing that I noticed is I'm sure, are you not behind the, the best of packages that are going up there now on ICW On Demand? Aye, we've been putting in like the Like the Nicky Cross one and Wolfgang? Yeah, it's been, it's been good. Like, like there's, probably, there's probably nobody, including Dallas, who's seen more ICW matches than me. Apart from maybe Adam, who like, directs our shows. Um, so when it came to putting stuff like that together, I was like, I'll handle it because I've seen all these matches 25 times. <laughs> um, but like the Wolfgang one was so difficult because like throw a dart and you'll hit a good Wolfgang match. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was. I had to I actually was like Dallas. I may have to put a two parter on this. Like this is ridiculous. I mean, um, but they've been good. Especially how many matches has Wolfgang had in ICW? <laughs> Just rough estimate. <sighs> oh my god. Um, see, Wolfgang must have had two hundred and fifty matches in ICW. <sighs> I would. I would probably wager he's had more than anybody because he's been there. For the start, and then even when he gets signed, like there's always ended up being a way for Wolfgang to work for WWE. Even when other guys are available, Wolfgang's always managed to appear out of the darkness and work a show somehow. Um, appear from the Calabar out of nowhere. Just, oh, totally. I, I mean, there, there, there's literally been shows where because something's happened, we've had to like, draft in a wee favour, and it's always been Wolfgang. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you go for the show, man. All right, cool. It's fine. So, I mean, obviously, you touch on it there. Um, are, are you? Are you obviously? Are you busier than you normally are, Scott? Because you're working from home and you're doing all these packages, or, or how's it compared to the, the normal? It's weird. Life? I mean, I played more video games and I've played in about the last year and a half, in the last three months, which has been great. Um, but no, I'm I'm still busy, but just in a different way. Like obviously, 
with us, the moment a show's done, the, the following Tuesday, you're back in the office, you're writing the next show, and that's just it, and you're bum, bum, bum. Um, whereas with this, we've been able to kind of step back, and now we can focus on demand, and um, there's still stuff to be done, and it's just a different level of busy, but um, there's definitely some more downtime than usual. Plus, I'm not in the office, yeah. which is, so I'm, I'm just in the house all the time. But I've got like a full set up here, so even when we're writing, I can still work from home most of the time. Now, are you in Dallas, are you currently writing at the moment, going for when you land back? Is it giving you guys time to, to work on the creative a bit more? Kind of, it's, it kind of allows us to step back and just look at things that maybe like, this could be a wee tweak, or we could go this direction with this, or we could just put a line under this and move on. Um, because, as I say, when you're gone full force, you just, you just keep going to the next thing. Um, but as far as stuff going forward, there's a couple of things we've got, like, I'd like to go back to this, but there's no point in writing now because anything can change. Like, I can aim to start something in August and we might still be doing shows by November. So, I just, you just genuinely do not know now. Because um, I, I wrote some stuff for, like, Shugs and Fear um, that is now just can't happen. I don't think it will happen anyway because it just, the timelines just don't map out. So we've got, we've got ideas and stuff. Do you think you're going to kind of restart a couple of storylines then rather than try and finish off? I would, the, there'll definitely be stuff that sticks, like stuff that is that was on the show that we really, really liked that never really get its footing. You know, like a lot of stuff when we just started because it was right after Square Go and that's when a lot of things kick off. So there was some big stories we'd like to keep going, but the beauty part is you can just step back and go, do you know what? Rather than go with this thing we're going to do, let's hold that back for this amount of time and do this instead. So, I it's a bit of a mix. There's definitely a few things that will keep going as they will, but yeah. um, whenever that happens, who knows? <laughs> How far in advance do you and Mark normally write in terms of your, your planning, or does it depend on who's available, what the booking schedule's like? It's definitely changed the last few years because of the WWE NXT UK guys, um, because we kind of know how far we can book them in advance because they don't know when yeah. they're available. Um, but it can it can be mental. Like sometimes we've got something we know is happening. Like we could be feel loathing and we know next feel loathing this match is happening. But then there can generally be things that happen three weeks before a show that we just go, let's just try this because this guy's available. And like there's been matches where we've seen people, like a, a, a kind of old example was like the Ricochet Lewis Govan match at Feel Loathing. We'd built Ricochet, but there was no real this guy's facing Ricochet. Um, and then Lewis was always he was always impressing and there was just one night of a match and Dallas went I'm going to have Lewis fight Ricochet <laughs> and that was it I mean it's just like that because certain things happen um, Ricky Knight Jr. and Alexander Dean they fought at Shugs uh, last year and they were in the ring when Dallas turned to me and went I'm going to have a rematch of this in the next show like it was never never planned they just went this is like a really good match let's see this again <laughs> and we booked it and that's how it was but then sometimes uh, you book a young advance it's you just kind of roll with the punches and see what happens. Wouldn't expect anything less from ICW. Just before before we get into the, the buddies and put over, Scott, what's been your favourite bit of creative that you've written for ICW? Um, I don't know. One that kind of sticks out for me. Like, there's nothing I've ever written that's just been solely me. There's always been a lot of input for the talent and stuff, um, and obviously Dallas. But the, there was the Mikey Whiplash BT gun feud into Baromania 4, the death match. Um, because like Whiplash, I like writing characters like that, like stuff that's dark and creepy and a bit weird, and me, me and him always bounce off each other really, really well. So I had the idea for the feud, and then the Deathmatch Invitational stuff came about, which again, I love all that. Um, 
and it was only short term, but it was just a nice but we just battled it for, you know, three months and I was really, really happy with how that all panned out and then Stevie cast on the belt and stuff. Um so I was pretty happy with that. I still have nightmares about that glass pane that Whiplash went through that night. It was, ooh. It's, it's like a reason, my favourite one of my backstage stories is like um, when that happened. So he gets through the glass and I'm kind of looking at it on the camera going, he's cut pretty long in the head. <laughs> and then he came back up the ramp and Whippy is inhuman. You know? I mean, he doesn't show anything. So he just kind of came back. He's bleeding, but he's not like screaming for help. Right? I've just ran into that medic. Um, and I've came back, but they wouldn't let us back in the backstage area because they were treating them. So I'm like, I need to get back there. Like, I'm, I'm working, I have to get back there. And I've just heard this English voice shouting, get a camera back here. And it was whippy. Just, <laughs> he's like, get a camera. I was like, listen, I need to go, man. Get, let me in here. And the guy was like, oh, right, I'm sure I can let you in. I'm like, yes, you can. I'm, I'm going back there with you like it or no. Um, because he's just, he's not going to let that opportunity pass up. You know, the most grotesque thing in the world. Um, but I mean, like so much respecting for that glass pane because that was wild, like mental. But you know, those, those guys just trust to do things like that, and he's definitely one of them because he's just something else. And it makes for good wrestling as well. So I, sure you don't complain. Sure you don't complain. Um, so yeah, let's go into the buddies and put. I usually ask our Mark at this point what your wrestling credentials, but you you, you kind of pass Scott, so you're all right. You're all right. <laughs> he's going to put us all to shame. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, so let's eat on this one, Gary. Even you. This time. Yeah. <laughs> right, so let's kick back off where we normally start at the start of the week. Um, Alex, AEW, what are your buddies and putovers, mate? Well, I've been told by John to expect that if, if I don't clock a particular buddy, he's going to tell me off. If, so, this buddy uh, is not, if this buddy is not in here, I'll be very disappointed in uh, you. So you're going to be happy as both my buddies involve legends, as you have already brought up on this podcast, that you dislike having on these kind of shows. Right, okay. So the first one is... Taz, why, why do we need to put Taz with Darby Allen? How in any way does that kind of work? I don't, I don't like new kind of like suplex oriented Taz who you've got like each week describing moves now going and flaunting kind of the hardcore kind of upstart. It would have made sense if it was old Taz, but new commentator Taz, I just don't get the link there and I don't think Darby needs a manager. I can add something even more bizarre to that, um, where I, I completely agree because I think Darby Allen should just be on his own unless Sting does sign. But oddly, before Taz signed with AEW, the one group in AEW they said they wanted to manage was Jurassic Express. So it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, like, I mean, so you talk about a Gulak. If you say you bring in a Drew Gulak into AEW, I still don't think it will happen, but... Taz maybe is that's the kind of wrestler I can see Taz managing someone like very like a wrestler like a mat wrestler because that's what Taz was really known for in those ECW years and I don't think he's known for anything overly positive from his commentary uh, career I can remember there's a time in TNA he was calling here comes the pain he was the guy that started Here Comes the Pain and also that he also was the person that invented the the hardest part of the ring for the apron Okay, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> there are some positive things about Taz's commentary. Right, okay. I'm a Taz Mark. Uh, I, I didn't let that uh, slip before now, but I'm a Taz Mark. <laughs> right, okay, that is not what I expected to bury, but uh, your second bury is not what I think it's going to be, Alex. I'll be very, very disappointed. What is your second bury? I have there? to go back to Jake. I have to go back to Jake. Well, I'll tell you why, right? So last week I had to get out of Jake for being a creepy pervert to Brandy. This week, he's only gone and been a creepy pervert to Lance. 
because his exact quote <laughs> was, watching Lance Archer in the ring gets me excited. I do not want to hear a 60-year-old man talk about what gets him excited. <laughs> yeah, I. That's still not it, though. Yeah, and like I Cody's truck. I agree with I, that, though. The, the fact segment that, I found was a bit weird, like the Cody's truck and stuff. And that, that, this is it. Uh, Jake the Snake getting a stoner out of Lance Archer now. That, that, I appreciate <laughs> that. Is definitely a buddy. But let's go rewind to about five minutes earlier, where they cut to a shot of Cody sitting in this massive truck, right? Like, <laughs> with, his, with his emblem on the truck. You know, it's on the, the headrest at the back. And then he drives about... It must be about 100 yards in this truck, which is like basically a tank, and then knocks into this little fence that just collapses, and he just gets <laughs> out, the, out the car and walks up to the ring. Like, the why? Thing. Why? You can do the segment, but just you kind of like make sure you don't damage anything when you do the segment. <laughs> it was absolutely, but it was pathetic. And if you're going to do a truck in a segment like that, Drive the truck into the blanket of the arena, smash into the ring, smash up the truck. But he just like really slowly drew up this little fence and just knocked it with a bumper, knocked it down, and then stepped out of it. It was like, geez. you know what they should have done to make that perfect? They should have panned round and in the background had a T Rex skull hanging up and had that he didn't want to damage the T Rex skull <laughs> like in Vince Man's office. That'd have been perfect. Absolutely. Uh, I also think AEW might have secretly been sponsored by Ford because Cody's truck was a Ford, Moxley's car was a Ford. Oh, I wonder if you can get it for free and blag it. Why not? <laughs> well, um, Product placement, mate. Like, I mean, why not? Why not? Right. Okay. What you what you put over them? Uh, I was going on about production a few weeks ago, but particularly their video packages recently for me have been phenomenal. Like I've always said that throughout the years, the one thing WWE has always done well is their promo packages and building building those divisions, building those matches. Obviously, at the moment, you're having to lean on that a lot more with the type of content everyone's pulling out at the moment. So they've just been doing some fantastic work. You've had a couple of promo work from Cody a couple of weeks ago. They've been doing the, the kind of overviews of the divisions. So you had like the women's division last week with the tag week this week. The bits of Taz as well. I have enjoyed that bits of Taz. And I think they've really been up in their game and making that a bit of a standout in the product as well, which is really good. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to put over this week is how they've handled their squash matches. <laughs> so I can't believe I'm having to put that over, but <clears throat> there was arguably two squash matches on this show, and arguably I enjoyed them both. So you had MGF squashing the local talent. He was vocal, he was visceral, he looked like a star the whole way through, and they even got a little bit with Wardlow and Wee Marco Stunt at the end. And personally, I would also argue that the Pineapple Pete-Chris Jericho match was a squash match. because, yeah. And it was booked the way it should have been done. They gave Suge all this like cool hype. He had like the whole the name and everything. And then he got in those little bits of offense at the start. And everyone was like, maybe he could do this. And then just one, one single move, one Judas effect. And he's like, see, that's, I love that. That's, that's a proper good squash match. That's it. That's it. It's all you need, mate. And what's the match tonight? Match of the night has to be Ortiz and Santana versus Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. Again, only because, mainly because of Sammy Guevara coming out with that neck brace and selling like a beast like he did from last week. The only negative thing about that match is I'd like to have seen Orta oh, Ortana, I was about to say, I'm just going to call them both Ortana from now on. <laughs> time. Um, I'd have liked to see them win, personally. Yeah. I, I, 
I think they've actually, there out of the inner circle, I think we were all a bit worried of how Guevara was going to do in this. And I think they've handled him really well. But I would argue that I think Santana and Ortiz have not looked like a particularly strong tag team since a couple of months after their debut, which is a bit of a shame for me, really. Minor complaints. Minor complaints. Moving on to NXT, we'll start with the, the buddies. Um, there's probably a few things I could go through. Let's not mention Jack Gallagher's cape. Uh, another episode of the Johnny Gargano, Candice Gargano dinner party with the Viper's head in the middle. What the fuck? And that's this black, white cutaway. Yeah, we could have buried that. We could have also buried the fact that Isaiah Swear Scott is no fucking way a cruiserweight. Get the skills out on that by. There's no way that boy's a cruiserweight. Uh, but I'm going to bury a couple of things, probably. Uh, my two that I would like to bury is Jake Atlas's entrance theme. Have you heard it? Aye, aye. It's like someone's had a big it's... fucking electro fart. It is absolutely <laughs> horrendous. It's just like someone just went like onto you know Ableton or something like that and just put all the electro noises they can into one thing and just went... Bleh. So See, it's like it's, that's what Alexa Bliss's theme does for me as well. I'm just like uh, that's when you stop CFO producing their dubstep. I think uh, I really, really I like Jake Atlas, but I think he's one of the few people that I think really suffers for TV being live because I think he's such a raw talent that it would be amazing once he's you know learned a few bits here and there. Uh, I, I can his, I, his finisher's amazing though. Oh, his his finisher's that, amazing, that, but that, that, that Rainbow DDT thing is fucking unbelievable. But the just he's so beige, he's so beige. It's a big problem, you know. I think is like it's not necessarily a problem because they're making the best of a bad situation, but there's so many guys they know that only they've not even really worked in front of a TV crowd before, and now they're working in front of nobody. Like a lot of people, they know they get a better you get more out of them when there's a big loud crowd and stuff like that. Um, if they've got nothing to feed off of, and he's not a naturally big, loud, charismatic guy. He's not going to get it dragged out of him, you know what I mean? All he's going to be thinking is, I need to do this match. Um, so, with the TV thing, because um, it's happened on Raw as well, with the Shane Thorne, and what's the other guy's name again? Uh, Brendan Vink. Vink. Aye. I mean, uh, they're, they're, a, they're a fine team, but it's just, like, the big big Vink, he's barely been on TV as it is, and now he's working for TV with a crowd. I mean, it's a really, it's yeah. a tough gig for a lot of guys. I think the only one really that's jumped out at me has been great at it is Austin Theory. I think Aye. he's, he on Raw, he's just, he's, seamlessly just slotted right in there brilliantly. I think was he not like Gabe Sapolsky's favourite over at Evolve and Gabe and Gabe Sapolsky used to work with Heyman at ECW so it makes a lot of sense and you can uh, see that maybe Gabe's groomed him a little bit and they knew he was always I think he's that guy you've just you look at him you go oh this guy's 20 and he's in better shape than anybody in my roster and he's talented like there's certain people you just look at and go I'm going to make sure this guy knows as much as I can physically let him know by the time he gets to a certain point um, so I think he's definitely been that guy for them, um, and I like he's in there with Andrade and Angel Garza. Like they know what they're doing, and he doesn't really look that out of place. So um, I, he's been good. But I think I own NXT. I think as well with NXT, it's so dark the way it's lit and stuff. So they've not even got like a big cool room. They're like the you know, the cool lights and all that. It's just like here's this shadowy room. Go in and wrestle in it. I was interested. We had. Um... Uh, David, or oh God, Sahari on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that it was really interesting the way that he, he thinks, well, I mean, he works on Impact but and he's a producer of Impact but he thinks out of all the wrestling products that they're doing it better in terms of the lighting and the production and all that sort of stuff. He was very much an advocate of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I get, totally get that on NXT because it is so dark, Scott. 
Um, the other thing I'm going to bury is the EU undisputed era Zoom party. Did anybody see that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So they've built up this kind of wrestling, kind of indie wrestler contingent, and then they're all on Zoom party. It's like, what's up? And all this sort of stuff. And it's like, fucking, they undo all their characters in like one thing. I have to say, a big kudos to. Um, the beard um, from uh, Kyle O'Reilly, though. But, um, it, and I have to say, I just, I think it on, it was just, I thought it was out of place for what the Undisputed Era are. But I have to also bury the editor, because I'm pretty sure someone says at the end of the Zoom call, who the fuck is that? Now go back and listen to it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've missed. Maybe it was just on the edit I heard on the BT Sport, but I'm pretty sure at the end of the package you can hear someone saying, "Who the fuck is that?" But um, there we go. That's my. That's I my funny thought story. that. I thought the Zoom party. It was like they're trying to make them like DX, but in this current generation. <laughs> it's like it's a, it was a bit odd, but at the same time, my main know. thing was I was looking to see what room Adam Cole was in because of your gripe with that over the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. He hasn't shown John the downstairs toilet yet, so that's no, next. No. No. Right, so putovers. Um, good. We're now using Timothy Thatcher as a heel. You know, he's come in and you're all right, okay, he's team with Matt Riddle, but obviously that, that fell to pieces. They gave away the, the tag titles to Imperium, which is good because it looks like Imperium are going to have an NXT run now because they are incredible workers. But aye, Timothy Thatcher as a heel, where he should be. Um, and, you know, before we get to my match tonight, that, him and Riddle and that um, was definitely the match tonight in the main event because it was just the two styles and the way they worked. And that'll, that'll build and build. And I can see them doing several matches uh, on, on the way up to the takeover. So, yeah, incredible. I thought him as a heel was definitely. And on that as well, Riddle in beast mode. See when Riddle you know, goes from being cool, hippie, stoner guy to just fucking his face going red and kicking the fuck out of people. Love that, love that. So yeah, putting that over. And um, yeah, I'm just going to put over Kyle O'Reilly's beard and the fact that we can know that he's actually got personality. I know I buried the Zoom party, but we've actually found out that Kyle O'Reilly has some personality aside from strumming the belt like a guitar and he's got a cool beard now. So let's just, just do that. that. That's all you need to, to like someone now, John, is air guitar and a beard. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Um, Scott, we'll come to you on uh, SmackDown then. Right, uh, I'll do my, my put-overs first. Um, I like that, Scott. Being positive <laughs> and not us that are just negative, you know? Truth be told, I've only got one buddy, so... Um, but wow, my, holy shit! Uh, you watched an episode of SmackDown, you've only got one buddy? Yeah, aye. Uh, right, my, my first put-over is people going to go, what the fuck? Baron Corbin. Aye. I love Baron yes. Corbin. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm with you. I hate, I always kind of... It's like a gripe of mine when you go into Twitter and people are like putting over a heel because then you're making people like the heel but you're not a heel. But I'm doing it. Um, he's just good at his job. He's just very, very good at his job. It's, you, you know that he, he knows his position in that company and he's just doing it to the best of his ability and he's doing it very, very well. Um, I think the match with Elias was a good TV match but I just think him in general is just so good. And I love how much people hate him. Like, it's so rare nowadays that you get somebody who just does not give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, just people <laughs> can't stand him. Um, so, he's been, I, I can't wait for the day he wins the championship just to be Twitter. Do you think it's going to be a gender moment all over again? Oh, I mean, it'll be nuclear. Like, Twitter's going to break. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, he's, he's just brilliant. Um, and my other put over is Otis. 
it's just just Otis man like and I think it's the booking of Otis and that I think just in general bookers can be quite guilty of stretching things out for longer than they need to be stretched out like let's let's make a story like eight months long but sometimes you just need to give people what they want and right now is a pretty shitty time people are in the house and they're bored and they want to be entertained and they gave them what they wanted Otis won money in the bank I mean there was no there was no I won it but you get 10 half of them and he just he won money in the bank and People are happy about it, so, and I'll be honest, I was waiting on the whole, like, the backlash for it, you know, oh my God, why did he win it, and he won it this way, and there wasn't it because people just were happy to see it, so I was, I was happy that they just done something that people just wanted. Scott, how, how would you book the, how would you book Otis in, in the cash, and how would you book it? Um, it's a weird one, because I think, like, him and Strowman, Strowman's a big, big face and all that, and then you get through. And Drew Notice is a weird mash to me. You know, in six months, who's got the belt? And then you go, right, this guy? You know, would I put Otis over The Fiend for the title? Probably not. But, you know, would I put the belt on Baron Corbin and have Otis cash around him? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, it really de- it just depends on who's got what belt. And um, also, they, they could get inventive with it. Like, because we've done it in ICW for the longest time. It was you, you got a shot at the heavyweight title. Now it's you can cash in on a title. So, you know, have Sami Zayn reclaim that Intercontinental and what's cash is in on that. You know what I mean? Like, there's ways to do things, I think, depending on who's got what built. Um, but the new, I think, just just let them have it. Just let them ride the popularity with Mandy Rose thing and just let them be yours for a while. So I, always thought, I always thought what they should do is have Ziggler for some reason win the title out of nowhere and then have Otis cash in on Ziggler just to kind of complete that storyline. Aye, that could totally work. You know? I, mean, that, that I, I think it would be like you'd get the pop that was like equivalent to Ziggler's like second world heavyweight title win, which would be really ironic. Aye. I'm I mean, the exact opposite. I love the heels, so I'm desperate for him to cash in and Ziggler to come out of nowhere and cost him the, the cash in attempt because I think <laughs> oh, that would set up again. I loved for years to come. bastard. That could really work, aye. <laughs> if, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm with Gary, to be honest. I'm, I've always been guilty of. I love making people happy, but see, occasionally I love breaking hearts. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, to be honest, like, yeah, I've always said, you've got to kind of like break people's hearts to bring them back up to the big happy moment. Um, and sometimes you just need to do that. So, I, if it was a case of Ziggler doing that, and I would, I would have always had the, the contract until there's a crowd there, right. like just for that moment where he comes out and the place goes ballistic. That'd, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, man. Um, do you know what it is we have Mr. Money in the Bank running around? Because every year, like the last couple of years, it's either come and gone really quickly or it's mm. been kind of a bit wasted. So it's been nice to have that threat again. Yeah, yeah totally. Aye. Uh, and then my buddy is the Dana Brooke match was just short. Like, I, I don't feel the new you've got really an excuse for short matches. Like, there's, you're limited in what talent are on the show. You know, maybe it was a, a reason, just maybe like something make somebody look really strong. But um, I just feel the know you could be giving people content and when you're doing really short matches, I think it's just a bit, all right, unless it's a super squash, you know what I mean? You're trying to get like Braun Strowman over, or here's him squashing two guys in three seconds. But it was just, the new I feel people should just get content and stuff and a, a short match like that's just a bit naff, especially when it's the only women's match on the show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like the women, the women's stuff on Raw was so big this week with like uh, with Becky and Asuka and stuff like that. You know, don't let it flounder on, on SmackDown just because, you know, we need to keep this a bit of extra time. Just give them 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Um, but it was fine. It, was, it wasn't even rotten. I just thought it could have been longer. But yeah, that's that. Got, got a match tonight, mate. 
Oh, yeah, Brian and Gulick. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I could have put that over, but, you know, what can I say that hasn't been said by every other person who likes wrestling? Yes. If you hadn't picked that one, John would have immediately just kicked you out of the call and be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Just... I think it's actually, it's a style of wrestling that's really suited for, like, it, it works in that setting when you crowd as well. You know, you're not, you don't need the big reactions for everything. It's just, you just tune right in and watch it. Um, I think the one they've done at, um, was it WrestleMania there? No, they had a match. Uh, no. It was just before WrestleMania, but I can't remember what pay-per-view it was. Ah, the pay-per-view. It was, it was, uh, it was in Pittsburgh, I know that, because it was in Drew Gulak's hometown. Ah, I can't remember what it was. That was really, really good. Um, and I loved it with the crowd, but I think I preferred this one now, just because you just tuned right into that match. So, yeah. ah, it was brilliant. Cool. Um, thanks for that, Scott. Uh, Gary, Raw. Yeah, so I was going to try and appease you and say that my first bidder was the fact that Akira Tozawa was not on Raw for the first time in weeks, but I decided not to bother with that. <laughs> um, my, my first bidder is exactly the same bidder I gave us to end last week's uh, Raw, and it started this week's with him calling Edge versus Randy Orton the greatest wrestling match ever. I just, I hate it so much. I think you're building it up to be, no matter how amazing that match is, it's going to be panned critically just because the fact they're calling it the greatest match ever. And the greatest wrestling match ever for a start as well. It's just, especially after giving us, like uh, Scott said, you know, Gulak, Brian, it's not going to match up to that, no matter how good, no matter what story they tell, it's just not going to do it. So I I have to just keep burying that term every time I hear it. Um, The other Biddy isn't even really a Biddy. But I'm going with it because Asuka buried it on social media and it's a uh, Kyrie Sane playing the recorder. Uh, was the was the very good? Only good thing I seen about it was somebody edited edited it and went, I just listened back and she's actually playing the John Cena theme and they had somebody <laughs> playing the John Cena theme on a recorder. Um, but I, it, it was there for me. Uh, the only way they can save it is if they ever do it with Elias in the future. But I recorders on the they don't belong in wrestling for me. Um, be banned for wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the put over, I'm really glad Scott mentioned this because my put over is Baron Corbin, <laughs> which <laughs> it was, man, I love the guy. Uh, I've been saying it for ages that for me, he just doesn't get the credit he deserves. He is an amazing heel, but not only that, I think he just gets it. Randy Orton even said it on social media and then kind of took it back and said he was drunk when he said it, but I know he meant it really, that he, he just does everything right. There was one thing he'd done before where it was about a year ago he fell off the apron, like, no, deliberately actually accidentally fell off the apron and he still sold that for the rest of the match. Um, just on Raw this week, he was, he was playing up to, Rab mentioned it on Friday that they should play up to this, the seven years of bad luck angle after him breaking the mirror. Obviously, he lost to Elias. He came out on Raw and he was saying about how he turned up. He didn't have a dressing room. Um, he didn't have anybody to polish his scepter and stuff like that. And then went out. He had a great match with Drew McIntyre, but still lost. I just thought that was absolutely incredible. And then even like a wee honorary one for that was the fact that they ended that match with having Bobby Lashley confronting Drew McIntyre because that is a great feud, I think, going forward. Um, so I that that is... Baron Corbin is the main put over there, and I'm really glad Scott took it before uh, before I could get all the criticism. I'm glad I've got some backup on that one. Um, I said earlier, I kind of uh, I got John worried because I said that I might be putting over the Viking Raiders segment. I'm not going to put it over because it wasn't amazing. It wasn't mind-blowing, but it was a hell of a lot better than the basketball match we got last week. So it's getting an ordinary mention for being a wee bit better than last week and for being slightly entertaining 
Also for the fact that I believe Sarah Logan was the person on the horse, um, but hidden by a, a kind of helmet that had a strip down it. Um, but I, that's, it's not getting put over, don't worry, but I, I need to give it a wee honourable mention because that was quite good. Um, the, the, the other putovers are really general one. Um, building people back up that haven't necessarily looked really strong and doing it in a really believable way. Um, so for me, I think Apollo Crews is you know perfect example of that. About a month ago, I had no idea who Apollo Crews was, apart from a really good wrestler. Um, brilliant in the ring, but we knew nothing about him. I think the way they wrote him off TV with injury was brilliant. And then the way they brought him back last night with Kevin Owens for a start is always going to be good. And just the fact that they made him look like this aggressive guy that's came back on a mission. Him, people like Bobby Lashley as well, you know, he was stagnating a wee bit in the past. That always looked amazing in the ring. Always was this dominant guy, but they're really playing on it now. And they've made him look like a main event star. And the last one is Natalia. Um, I think she's one of the best like female wrestlers of all time. Uh, in terms of a technical standpoint, I think she's absolutely incredible. They've done the same with her last night against Shayna Baszler. Um, she came out like, looking very strong after submitting in a submission match. And I think that's hard to do. So I just, I'm just i putting over the way WWE have managed to make people look strong. I, th- I think they've done a great job of it. Match tonight? Uh, I was between two. Um, <laughs> And I'm still kind of torn on it. I, I, I really liked the Charlotte Flair Ruby Riot match, even though it was short. But another short match is actually taking it, uh, and it is the, the Natalia Shayna Baszler one. I was very, I was very tempted to put in, you know, the Alistair Black, um, Alistair Black Buddy Murphy one because they're always brilliant. But I, Natalia Baszler, I think was incredible for a submission match that was short. I had really low expectations, but it was great. Cool, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, Scott, thanks very much for coming on, mate. And, uh, no worries, just taking, taking the Smackdown bullet for us. <laughs> That's all right. Thanks for having me on. It's Fingers crossed we can get we see an ICW show really, really soon because I bet you're all chomping at the bit to get back oh, to it. You have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely. And remember, if you want to get anybody and putovers in for Rab and Gradle for the flagship show, you can do that. Get us on Twitter at Wrestling Daft, on Insta, Wrestling Daft Podcast, and it's just Wrestling Daft on Facebook. <laughs> You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's the Wrestling News with Gary Cassidy. <laughs> I think the, the intro gets better every week. <laughs> Listen, there's no pri- no expense spared on this uh, production of this show. Oh, I'm um, going to send you a glockenspiel for next week so you can add to it. Um, right, let's kick off with the news. Uh, slow week, busy week, Gary. What's been going on? Pretty slow. Pretty um, slow. I would definitely say pretty slow. I. When we're back to well, considering being inducted into the Hall of Fame, yeah, it's pretty. I, I was going to say, considering one of the stories is something that I think we hear kind of every now and again, and the other one is the fact that only one 
and person's left a company, then it's slower than the last few weeks at least. Um, ah, you, you, you said that there'll be Owen Hart. Um, Martha Hart saying that Owen Hart will never be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, essentially saying, no, that she wouldn't allow it in those words, um, but that she, she doesn't really feel like it should be there because it was, uh, or it is a fake entity, which we all know it is, of course, as it's a Hall of Fame. Most Hall of Fames are. It's up to the, the people inducting somebody in or only do it because they like what the person's done. Um, but I, she, she said that she wouldn't, um, wouldn't really like that to happen on uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which... <laughs> Dark Side of the Ring is a very grim viewing for anybody that's not seen it. Um, and, you know, the Own Heart one. I've not seen the Own Heart one yet. I've only seen a couple of wee recaps, but, but I'm, yeah, I'm not really looking it's forward okay. to it. okay. They desensitised us with starting off this season with Chris Benoit. I don't think we can... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, this, is, this is cheery compared to that, let's be honest. You can't get darker than Chris Benoit. Yeah, no. I think that's, kind of the, that's, that's my measuring stick. Aye, I think that it's the one heart one I'm really not looking forward to watching personally. Because um, I, I remember, like, um, I didn't stay up for that. I was very young, but I remember waking up the next day and hearing about what had happened uh, and not actually knowing that the Blue Blazer was the one heart at the time. So it took me, like, a, another wee bit to figure out that that's who it was. Um, but I, ever since, you know, that happened and, and he passed away, a lot of people have been actively, you know, saying that they want him in, particularly people like Mark Henry, he used his, his Hall of Fame speech to say why Owen Hart should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Bret Hart's even spoken about it as well. Uh, but yeah, Martha Hart is saying, no, uh, she doesn't she does want him to go in. Uh, just get the exact quote. Um, there's always been talk that we want to put Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame. Um, they don't even have a Hall of Fame. Was the, <laughs> the one that I was like, ooh, that's a bit... Um, it doesn't exist. It's um, it's a fake, nothing but a fake entity. There's nothing real or tangible. Um, it's an event they have to make money, which I was like, Ugh. but I completely up to her. If anybody can decide whether or whether or not Owen Hart goes into the Hall of Fame, I would say she probably has about as much right as anybody, if not more. So, I odd one. I, I know, I know. I, I'm pretty sure w, this is not news news to WWE. So I'm pretty sure. She, they've been reached out to before and she's turned around and said, no, I don't want to get involved with Because you would have expected before now that he would have been in the Hall of Fame. Aye, there'd be no reason for him not to be. Like, obviously, we know like everybody's been saying the British Bulldog should always be in, but there, there has always been that wee slight niggle of why he's not there. Obviously, I think he should be as well. And, you know, it was going to be this year. Um, but with own heart, there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be in, apart to the fact that his wife doesn't want him in. So... As good yeah. a reason as any. Um, yeah, uh, so moving on, um, Matt Riddle um, and a potential match with Brock Lesnar, which he's been going on about for ages now. It doesn't look like it's going to happen, God damn it. No, this is something that um, I even decided not to bother asking him about because I, I knew I was going to get the same answers I got a couple of years ago last year when I asked him when I was like, he's going to say he still wants the match, but obviously the match hasn't happened yet, so there's not really anywhere to go from this. Um, but he said it's not looking good, but that's not going to stop him from trying, which is brilliant. Um, that, he's been very vocal about the fact that he wants that match. He said that one of the main reasons he signed to WWE and not anywhere else, um, or what, three three years ago when he signed, or sorry, two years ago it was, uh, almost exactly two years ago when he signed, the, one of the main reasons was you won't wrestle Brock Lesnar anywhere else. They said I could compete with him in MMA if I went down that track, but there's nowhere else I'll wrestle Brock Lesnar. Um, but 
obviously the match hasn't happened. There was the potential for a wee altercation to happen at the Royal Rumble. That didn't happen. Um, and yeah, he said, uh, I shook the eight ball and it's not looking good, which is like the most Matt Riddle quote ever. <laughs> I think I just have a brilliant way to say it. Uh, <laughs> he said, am I going to stop? No, I really want the match. Um, even if he takes some of the things I said wrong or personal, which I like that as well. Chucking that in there in case the match ever happens, then we'll be wondering if it's actually, you know, as worked as, as it's looking or not. Um, but I essentially said it's not looking likely, but he's not going to stop trying. And man, I love that. Um, I, I would be all in for that match. So we'll wait and see. Love Riddle. I'm the only one who'd also really like to see Matt Riddle versus Brock Lesnar in an MMA fight. Aye, I would, oh, man, like I would love that. that. I would like to see that because, by the way, Matt Riddle can go, you know, as, as I spoke about on them, um, you know, the buddies and putovers, Matt Riddle can go. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I, I watched back some of his fights after he just signed with WWE. The man loves his knees. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that that's a shame that won't happen. And finally, some very sad news. I, I, I know we're going out on a, a low on the news. I can't believe it. One of my favourites. Drew Gillard might be gone. <laughs> There's no mics, John. This is this is this is currently set in stone, I believe. It's, cur- it's uh, happened. It, oh, wait to hear. It's, it's it's happened, but it could be undone, um, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so th- this one, uh, this is probably the biggest news of the week. But we're ending on the biggest news of the week because it is kind of you know unfinished as such. <sighs> Drew Gulak. It was on SmackDown last week, um, which was recorded on Monday um, and aired on Friday. It was on SmackDown, classic match with Daniel Bryan. If it hadn't been for the Matt Riddle-Tim Thatcher match, I think that would have been the best match of the, the week and probably one of the best of the year. It was an absolute classic. And then on, I believe it was a late on, I think it was Saturday evening, um, a couple of, wee, couple of wee things started happening. Firstly, it moved to the alumni section of WWE.com. Which isn't you know set in stone that that's somebody out the door, but it is usually a very telling sign that it's, it's somebody getting put out the door. The only person still contracted to WWE that's there is MVP, and that's only because he wasn't moved back when he returned recently. So that happened. A couple of wee things, you know, happening, getting thrown about here or there, and then the news just starts rippling out that he's been released. Turns out that wasn't exactly correct. He hadn't been released. What had happened is his contract was coming to an end. Apparently, everybody thought he was going to sign. And I think, you know, people thought that he even thought he was going to sign. They were just tying up a few wheel ends here and there. And then the contract expired. And he hadn't re-signed by the time the contract expired. So he got moved to alumni section. And WWE put out a video the other day with, uh, you know, Drew Gulak versus Daniel Bryan. With the title, Daniel Bryan faces his training partner on SmackDown. Did they tag Drew Gulak? Did they mention him by name whatsoever? <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty brutal stuff considering he was just on the product the week before. It's like, e- either don't put it out or at least mention his name and don't tag him is the way to do that. Um, but I did they mention him. But the, the weird thing about it, the fact his contract's expired... This hasn't happened too much recently. It almost happened with the Revival and they bought their way out at the end of their contract. The last time this happened, I believe, was with um, Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley. And we've seen how that ended. Uh, Apparently, WWE didn't think he was going to go and work anywhere immediately after. They thought he was going to do other things. The reason I said immediately after there is because that is exactly what somebody can do if they're out of contract. Drew Gulak, in letting his contract run down, 
he now doesn't have any type of non-compete clause. He can wrestle anywhere else. Now, of course, he can sign with any other company, but he could also sign again with WWE. It could, it, it can literally sign anywhere. So this is a really, really odd one. Um, a lot of people were uh, are putting out different things. You know, PW, PW Insider, I think, were the first people to break that it was, you know, an end of contract rather than a release. But my new um, favourite journalist, Dave Meltzer, um, I need to put that out there because it actually um, it credited me on the Wrestling Observer newsletter for my oh, Matt Riddle interview. So I will have nothing bad said about Dave Meltzer anymore. <laughs> he's uh, he's the best journalist on the planet. <laughs> I'll work on getting a Dave Meltzer interview uh, on Wrestling Daft in the near future this is the first block of that happening <laughs> but yeah um, so he, he's reporting that many people in WWE think Drew Gulak has gone for good but he's told it's not a dead issue um, and uh, what is it? Barry Bloom is uh, representing Daniel Bryan's former coach in negotiations I don't know too much about Barry Bloom, um, but it does represent a lot of notable people. Kenny Omega is, is the one person that I know of him for representing because he's the person you reach out to for interviews as well. Um, so Kenny Omega is one. Goldberg is the other. Now, if you look into Goldberg coming back and the amount of money he's earned, man, I would fancy Drew Gulak's chances of getting a good deal no matter where he goes if, uh, I would, if he's I would, the guy that is representing Goldberg. <laughs> I, would, I would recommend going back and having a look into Barry Bloom, actually. He was he worked a lot with uh, Eric Bischoff and WCW, and oh. he represented a lot of the WCW talent back in the day. And yeah, there's some interesting stories about him and Eric and negotiations during uh, the money Eric years. So oh, I need to look back. The only there, reason I know of him um, is because he's the person that you contact to try and get Kenny Omega or Mick Foley for an interview. So I guess he, he's the person in charge of both of their dealings. But we need to look back at... Uh, well, you know, well, wait and see. It's either someone in the WWE office has dropped the ball because you wouldn't have thought Drew would have been getting the push he has been getting recently if he wasn't going to resign. So it's almost like, oh, we're doing this stuff with Drew now. And then someone's like, Oh shit, he's out of contract in a week. He's <laughs> going to be leaving WWE at the hottest he's ever been in WWE. And I yeah, even exactly, take that for, you know, when exactly. he was Cruiserweight someone, champion. He's, I, he's a I, bigger I, name now than ever. <laughs> I would guess someone's dropped the ball in the WWE office. And the thing is, he's now brought up to this point that he could go on and come to you on this one, Alex. For me, he could go into AEW as the Daniel Bryan of AEW almost. I think so. There's, there's a, I think he could come in and succeed, but I'm. I'm not sure if they would sign him right now, to be honest. I don't know if he fits into the mould of what they're looking, of what they've been known to sign. But at the same time, signing something a bit different could be a good shout. Yeah. They don't really have, apart from Hager, maybe any like kind of people you'd consider like legit. Matt wrestlers, like a, a Matt, Matt wrestler, wrestlers, technical wrestler. Stars, that kind of thing. I think he's a stick on for Japan when yeah. uh, they return. I think New Japan's probably the likely destination, but I can see him wrestling somewhere in Japan when they're back to putting on shows. Yeah, I could see you put him in the best of Super Juniors or the yeah. J Cup. I'm not sure what they're doing with that because they've obviously both been postponed. So I could, yeah, a tour in Japan, I think it do great for his in-ring skills as well. Like, it'd be fantastic. Decent shout, decent shout. Right, well, thanks for the news. Hopefully there's no more sad news about releases or contracts. Imagine if Tozawa went like next week. I was going to say, someone check what Tozawa's got and left oh. with his contract, please. please. <laughs> it's Patreon time on Wrestling Daft, where we tell you about our Patreon service. You can get lots of content from Wrestling Daft. We can get lots of content to you if you sign up for Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Wrestling Daft. On there, we've got a couple of tiers set up. We've got tier one, which is about uh, $4 a month. 
You get uh, patron-only chat, you get ad-free versions of all the episodes, you get early episode access, bonus content from the shows, the full video version of this podcast, and you get to vote on the list of wrestling daft as well, and that's only three quid a month, so lots of content for just £3 extra a month. Um, Tier 2 Intercontinental Champion, that's about $10 a month, about £7 odd. Uh, you get everything that's in tier one, plus you get a video version of the flagship show with Rab and Grado. Uh, you'll get invite to our pay-per-view Patreon parties. Should we, is anyone watching Double or Nothing this week, weekend? Are you watching it live? I will be, yeah. I might be, yeah. Might be. Well, we might do a Patreon party for Double or Nothing if we're all watching it. Why not? Because it's where we get together, have a beer and uh, talk wrestling. So, yeah. Watch Patreon, watch this space. We might do that this weekend. Uh, You're making more false promises to your Patreons. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Bonus episode once a month, and this is another false promise. We were going to be having Grado's beginnings, but he's not replying to my bloody messages at the moment. So I'll catch up with him tomorrow, and we'll hopefully have an interview with Grado. Uh, plus, we're going to be doing a report card on AEW, boys. I think we'll maybe do that next week. We'll grab a couple of beers and get the listeners involved and uh, we'll be doing uh, a look back at the first year of AEW and giving our report cards and assessment on that so we'll be recording that next week so that will be available soon I can promise you that much uh, tier 3 world heavyweight champion $20 a month about £15 everything in the previous tiers free tickets to live events when we get them up and running eventually uh, you got a free wrestling daft t-shirt of your choice you can set up for a minimum of 3 months for that and you get to come on this show as one of our marks get to review the shows and be a star as well so get all that sort of stuff all the details patreon.com forward slash wrestling that and uh, we'd love to welcome you to the roster just like we have lucy l who's just joined up with us thank you lucy and graham and as well we salute you people so uh welcome once again to fantasy booking islands well islands is what it now is because we have two islands uh, we put one of our marks on one island, one on the other, and the other mark decides who wins the fancy booking. Uh, this week, Gary has the book, and what are we booking this week, Gary? It's a pleasant change for me because I'm getting to sit back for the first time ever in a fantasy booking island history and let you two decide on how to book something in my choice. And, you know, off the back of AEW... I've been saying it that I think their next women's champion is going to be the person to truly propel their women's division. But rather than just limit it to AEW, I decided that I wanted you guys to book the next champion in the women's division of any promotion. How they win the title, what they do with it, but the rest is completely up to you. Right, okay. So both me and Alex have three minutes on the clock to make this booking. Um, I've been scribbling down notes because after I had an absolute nightmare a couple of weeks ago. So I'm hoping I can get through this because I'm booking a long, long way ahead for this one. Um, Are we so, three minutes on the clock, is it? Oh, I'm going to be I'm gonna be getting a second timer up if John's got another long one. Who, who do you want to go Take first? Who choose since you're in charge? Um, right, heads or tails. Uh, Alex, you can call it. Do you want heads or tails? I will have tails, please, sir. I will have tails, please. And I'm flipping a badge because I've not got a coin, but it's landed on heads. John, you can choose whether you go first or second. Do you know what? I'm going to go first and just get this out of the way and I suppose because Alex will probably blow me out of the water over this. I was also yeah, going to make a joke that I'd done the Raw Women's title just to annoy you. Since no, you no, no, because I've done the Raw So you, you robbed me of that privilege as well. 
Okay, for so the avoidance of doubt as well, um, the badge, I said that I flipped a badge, it's got my head on it, which is what the heads was, <laughs> just in case anybody questions it. <laughs> I can't believe you've got badges of yourself, Gary. <laughs> right, okay, right, get ready to start that time, are you ready? Yep. Ready? Go. Okay, so at the moment we have Raw Women's Tag Team Champion is Oscar. Um, she won, the, obviously, from Becky, who gave her the thing, and she's got the title now. However, she cost Baron Corbin at Money in the Bank the title, or the Money in the Bank briefcase, okay? So here's what I'm proposing. I'm proposing an intergender match, because Baron Corbin blames Oscar for um, not getting the, the, the briefcase, and he wants that title. And in exchange for that title, he's going to get a Money in the Briefcase. So he wants to take the title off of Oscar to exchange for a Money in the Bank briefcase. And um, this goes... In the meantime, this is happening. Oscar's going over people. Baron's getting involved in the matches, what have you. This leads up to SummerSlam, um, where Oscar beats Baron Corbin in a ladder match, retains the title, and absolutely, in the meantime, this is propelling Baron to the biggest heel that WWE has ever seen. You know, this is, is you know, playing all the dirty tactics, intergender matches, and, you know, a seven years of bad luck stuff that has started with mirror breaking. That continues with him, Louise and Oscar. So we move on to Oscar going over people because what we're and the main goal here is to build Oscar into what she was before. It's the Goldberg of the women's division and rolling all over because we've lost that with the green mist. We're getting back to the Oscar character definitively. So she's going over people. She's going over uh, Ruby Riot. She's going over Natalia. We get to Survivor Series. In the meantime, Shayna Baszler is also wrestling and doing very much the same. So we're building two Goldberg type characters and we come to a Survivor Series match where for the first time we put the title on the line for team versus team. So it's Oscar versus Shayna. We have team Shayna, Shayna, team Oscar. The losing team gets the belt to Shayna, right? So Shayna's got her team, Oscar's got her team. We have the Yakaza. We're bringing them back. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we've got Shirai, we've got Eo, we've got Kyrie, and we've got a mystery partner. Let's just say it is, they get to pick someone from NXT and they pick like, let's go for the fact, forget it, we go Bianca. Akira Tozawa in a wig to completely accuse him. Stop wasting my time, Alex. Um, so then on the other side, we have Shayna, um, we have uh, Heel, 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 thank you. Two Healy, two Healy <laughs> Rockwell, and a mystery partner. The devil's in the detail. Who we don't find out, but at the last minute, it is Ronda Rousey. And we go there, Ronda costs Shayna the title, Oscar walks out with the title, okay? Not a strong booking, but that's fine. We keep going on, we keep going on. So in the meantime, Sheena then gets switched to SmackDown, okay? Oscar's still going on at every competitor, so let's just say the next person's up is Kyrie after turning Oscar, um, there's some sort of turn. Kyrie goes at it with Oscar, and that leads up to a pay-per-view in between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. Uh, we get to Royal Rumble, Sheena goes into the match, because at this point she's switched over to SmackDown and the draft switch, she's been going over people and she is so confident that she puts, this, she wants the, she's got the SmackDown title but she wants to run through the vision. Um, I'm running out of time here. So she uh, puts it on the line. She goes one to 30 in the Royal Rumble. She retains the, the title because uh, Ronda come, also gets involved in this as well. Um, and they, they destroy everyone and Ronda, Gets, puts herself out of the ring so that Shayna can then go on to WrestleMania to fight Oscar for the to unify the titles. However, 
it's not Oscar, it's not Sheena that unifies the titles at WrestleMania, it's Oscar, and Oscar has both titles now. Um, and we keep rolling on. So then Charlotte steps up from NXT, and Charlotte is then trying to get all three titles unified. Um, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I'm running out of time, haven't I? You've run out of time a lot. <laughs> By a little bit, yeah. Right. I was anyway, like, I'm going to let him keep going uh, just to get to the conclusion. <laughs> it, it basically, Oscar runs over everyone. Let's just get to the conclusion for we turn up at Royal Rumble 2022. Oscar's still got the title. Uh, Becky turns up at Royal Rumble. Surprise entrance. Wins the, the Royal Rumble 2022, and we set up a match at. WrestleMania, where Becky then takes back the title after Oscar's got all this dominance and had the longest reigning run as a female champion. <sighs> I wish I had more time. There was a lot of booking to be done to get to there. That's why. Right. If we can, I don't know if we can see that, but it's four minutes and thirty-two seconds. <laughs> right. Sorry. You should have overall. No, I was like, I was just gonna let him keep going and uh, and and see where it ends. But I, I liked it overall, apart from the fact that you had Ayo and Shirai as two different people. Oh, sorry, 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 Carrie. Also, also <laughs> did Oscar have? Does Oscar have the belt and the Money in the Bank briefcase at the same time at the start? No, 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 no. She doesn't have. She doesn't have anything at the start. She just has. She just has the belt. But Baron wants to. Baron is is basically saying, if I beat Os, if I beat Oscar. You know, I want I want to trade the belt in for a, 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 a okay, yeah, yeah, I've got it. I'm liked, having the title. I really like that, and I also like the fact that you booked an intergender match between them two because Baron Corbin's already delivered an end of days to a woman and done it to Becky Lynch before. So yeah, and just the fact that you know we've been putting over Baron Corbin for the full show, so why not? <laughs> Super mega nuclear heat on Baron Corbin. That's what I thought as well. So yeah, that's what I'm at. It's all about it was all about getting rounds the building Oscar and then getting the title back on Becky as a conclusion. Back on Becky. Clearly ran out of lots of time there because it was a. <laughs> Two years worth of booking. Um, right, Alex, on you go then. I'm, I'm considering just shoving Baron Corbin into my booking now just to get <laughs> <laughs> Gary while I'm here. Get Taz on there and you'll be sorted. Well, uh, <laughs> the good thing is, Gary said his inspiration is AEW, and the AEW mark is not doing AEW. Oh. What? I had, I had a different idea. I went down a different path, a path that I'm surprised about because I am booking the SmackDown Women's Championship. Ooh. Sounds good. I'll get the timer going. Ready? Okay. Now. So we're going to have a good old-fashioned battle royale to determine the number one contender on SmackDown so we can bring out all the hits. We can have all the women teaming up to toss Tamina out of the ring, even though you don't need more than half a person to do that. You can have a Naomi spot. If we've got Bailey always kind of interfering for Sasha and like pulling her out of the ring. So they kind of noticed that Bailey's been giving Sasha an unfair advantage, so everyone starts teaming up on Sasha. So Bailey kind of just pulls her out of the way and just hides her away. So we carry on, and we're left with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. So those two are back and forth. At one point, it's looking like Sonya's got the upper hand as she knocks Mandy off the ring, but only to, of course, be caught by Otis and put back in the ring just as Sasha comes back in, and they decide to have that little moment where they team up together to go and knock her out of the ring, and then, of course, immediately, Sonya tries to turn on Mandy. Mandy reverses it somehow, and Mandy wins the Battle Royale to determine the number one contender. So we're going to have that backlash. We're going to have Mandy Rose with Otis versus Bailey with Sasha Banks. So we're going to go full hoop heel Bailey on this one, cheating about all over the place. So eventually, 
Banks gets involved and she takes out Otis because she doesn't want Otis interfering for Mandy to help. Seeing this, she then kind of almost has a chance to turn on Bailey. She, Bailey's got her back turned and she considers it just for a brief moment. But in that moment, Sonia Deville actually comes and takes out Sasha, preventing her from interfering with Bailey and basically allowing Bailey to retain, retain the championship. So, um, yes, that's why I kind of lost myself a little bit there. So the story kind of going up to SummerSlam is first of all, Bailey doesn't actually know that Sasha Banks tried to betray her yet. So you can take a lot of taking the piss with that kind of thing and making some funny angle. And we can also continue Sandy and so sorry, Mandy and Sonya Deville along and basically amalgamate both of those matches into a four woman match for the title at SummerSlam. So classic match goes back and forth. There's again all the hits and all the predictable things you'd imagine at the start and we get down to the final sequence. So we start having a lot of near falls. Back and forth, back and forth, till eventually Bailey tries to get the belt involved. So at this point, she of course takes Sasha straight out, goes to take out Mandy, but no no, Otis stops her. And so she obviously can't have Mandy being taken out. And just with Otis with a big shock in his face, Mandy takes the belt off Bailey off Otis and clocks Bailey with it, knocking her out. Otis is horrified by this. He's like, no, Mandy, no, there's better ways to do this. But then in the commotion, Sonia Deville hits Mandy Rose with whatever the hell Sonia Deville's finisher is. One, two, three, your new SmackDown Women's Champion, Sonia Deville. I absolutely loved everything about that, apart from one thing, and it was your Otis impression. Right, Gary, it's up to you to decide who wins this week. Bear in mind that Alex is going to go into an unattainable lead if he does win this week. I was going to say, John did massively over his time. But because it is the, the 23 year anniversary of the Montreal screw job, I would have loved to have. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't even remember if I got the number right there, but it's definitely not that anniversary just for the avoidance of doubt. Um, I would have loved to have had John win because I think the, the fans would deserve more Alex fantasy bookings. But sadly, no. Uh, Alex is getting to choose next week and it's the two jobbers going at it again. Ah. So, congratulations, Alex. You are the one out of fantasy because the streak continues. The streak continues. I don't know if it's more like Undertaker at Mania or Mansoor in uh, Saudi Arabia, but <laughs> you can take it anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, currently it's Mansoor in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so now it's time for a big Gary interview. He's been bringing us all the stars. In fact, he's bringing us so many stars that Rab and Gradle are getting very jealous now and they are starting a competition. They didn't realise that we had Christian on last week and when I told them, they're like, how are you getting them? How are we not getting them? I said, well, Gary's, Gary's a man in the know, and this week he's brought us another star. Who have you got for us this week, Gary? Yep, um, a 25-year-old, a former uh, NXT Cruiserweight champion. He's appealed on Raw, he's appealed on SmackDown, he's appealed on NXT, and he might be retiring from wrestling at the age of 25 because he believes he's done it all and uh, doesn't really want the drama that comes along with being in the wrestling industry. Guy that was recently released from WWE, Leo Rush. Um, so I very, very interesting chat with him about his, uh, his departure from WWE and what he thought was going to be his departure from WWE last year and then how he ended up coming back to become Cruiserweight champion. Uh, really interesting one, apart from the fact his dog was barking quite a bit at the end. 
but we'll forgive him for that. <laughs> Eagle Rush versus his dog, and he's now on Wrestling Daft. Here we go. Hi everyone, it's Gary Cassidy here. I've had some great guests recently, but they're definitely not stopping anytime soon. I've got a man here that I, I would say is probably one of the most exciting wrestlers to watch on the planet. Not only that, he's also pretty good to listen to, um, which we'll get into. How's it going today, Leo? What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad, man. Never bad when you're talking to someone like yourself, so can't complain. Um, the, the pretty cool thing about this, last time we spoke, I believe it was a couple of days, it was two or three days after the release of uh, Scenic Lullaby, which I believe was your first ever single. Now we're about a day away from your first ever album being released. Man, what a journey. Um, you seemed really excited about Scenic Lullaby when it first came out. You were talking about, you know, you really wanted to make more music, all this kind of thing. How did we get from that to where we are now, wherever after is coming out this week? Yeah, man. I, I, You know, first starting out and doing Scenic Lullaby, I was really excited. I was really excited because this was my first single, uh, like you said, and it was something new that I was wanting to, you know, dip my toes into. And uh, luckily, you know, the fans, they... They, they enjoyed it. They liked it. Uh, they respected the fact that, you know, I stepped out and out of my comfort zone or, well, out of my comfort zone to other people. But, you know, this was something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, and now, you know, the comparison to Ever After, uh, you know, back then I was, the Scenic Lullaby was my first single. And now I'm about to release my first album. And it, it is such a cool feeling, you know, seeing where I came uh, from with Scenic Lullaby and all the way until now, you know, my very first album and not only my first album, but my first major project uh, since my WWE release. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Obviously, you know, we're going to talk a wee, bit, a wee bit more about music and wrestling later on. You, for me, I think the best thing is that, you know, the music was always separate from the wrestling. It seems like a completely different project. I'm going to throw that out the window right now. I want to ask you, if you were ever do a duet with any other wrestler, who would you pick? <sighs> with another wrestler? I mean, I guess there's not many. There's not many out there. Uh, but, I mean, the one that comes to mind that seems like it's pretty hot uh, with as far as people liking and respecting what he's doing as far as music music is, uh, is our truth, Ron Killings. You know, that's the that's the only one that I can think of because he's really active, you know, and I would count, you know, Josiah Williams wrestling flow, but he's not a wrestler. <laughs> so, yeah. We can use him as a little cheat answer, but man, I would be down for an R-Truth Leo Rush duet. That would be incredible. Um, <laughs> one thing that I definitely need to address, you found a little, a little tweet that garnered a little bit of, not, I wouldn't say controversy, but a lot of people were like, man, last week when you said, I may never wrestle again. Um, how truthful was that? Was it something that you were just really into the music and that's where it came out of? Or is there honesty behind it? Um, what, what was the thinking behind it? I think it was both. I, you know, I, I knew that, you know, this album was coming out. I knew, I know that, you know, I'm going to continue to pursue music and stuff like that. So in that sense, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm doing so much with music. Uh, this is a passion of mine. I just might not step into the ring again, just off of, off of that tip. But uh, there's also another, you know, layer of that uh, of that tweet where it, it is a real pretty situation or a pretty real situation, excuse me, um, because, you know, before the release, I always, you know, told myself and I would talk to my, my family members and friends 
inside and outside of the business. And I would just say, you know, I, I have a feeling, like a gut feeling that I'm not going to be in the world of, uh, of wrestling anymore. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the memories and, 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 you know, the mark that I left on wrestling will stay there. Uh, but you know, me physically being a part of the, the wrestling business might, might disappear sooner than later. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was, but even, even after the release, it just made me think about it even more. Um, there's just a lot of things that I've gone through in the wrestling business that I feel like have uh, traumatized me in a way. Um, and that, that has just been pretty disappointing, you know, looking at, you know, me as a kid and wanting to do this uh, and just seeing the bright lights and, and the action and, and the daredevil stunts and stuff like that to me becoming one of the people in the business doing all the action. But, you know, I didn't realize as a kid all of the stuff that came with that, you know, backstage, like the politics and, and you know, all of the, excuse my language, but the bullshit that goes on in, in wrestling. And it just, I, I took, I took a lot of time out of my personal life to invest into, you know, wrestling. And I feel like it definitely caught up with me. And now that I have this opportunity to be home with my family and, uh, focus on myself and, you know, my relationships and, uh, my music, uh, I'm just happy right now. And, you know, why would I put myself back in a position where, you know, I didn't have control over a lot of things and I was frustrated and angry and confused, you know, why put myself back in that position when I can be over here and be happy and stay happy? Yeah, as well. it's not a bad position to be in if you're really good at more than one thing and it means you've got the options to, to you know, <laughs> feel one thing, you can just go a complete other direction. Um, but you know what you were saying there about um, not, not feeling kind of, not, not that you weren't feeling fulfilled, but you know, the stuff that came with the good stuff in wrestling. When we spoke last time, you were on a, a kind of brief, we'll say, hiatus from WWE. You, you know, you weren't on television. From that, it was like you ended up back on, not just back on television, you ended up with a championship, which I think, you know, a lot of people maybe wouldn't have seen coming if they'd have read everything that, you know, people were putting out there about what was going on. Was that a surprise to you when you actually managed to get back on, you know, not just on television, but you were a, a very featured person in WWE and on NXT for a few months? Yeah, I think so. Just because, you know, when I took that hiatus uh, from the company, I thought that they were done with me, you know, during that entire time period when I was home, which was, you know, the six months, I didn't hear a single word from the company. You know, there, there was there was no urge to reach out to me to see how I was doing, how my family was doing. There was no urge to, you know, keep me updated on what my wrestling career or uh, was going to be, you know. Um, so I, I, I moved on with life. I moved on with everything. I came to the conclusion, uh, or better yet, I, I realized and I accepted the situation for what it was. And I just told myself, I told my family that it was time to move on. And then, you know, I, I was in California because I was looking at some property there because I was going to move to California and while I was out there, I got a, a call from Hunter saying that he wanted to bring me back. Uh, but this time, 
for NXT because they were going to, um, you know, relaunch the whole brand on the USA Network. And he thought that my past exposure on USA Network could help NXT uh, with their exposure on, on the USA Network. So it, it definitely came as a, a surprise to me. Uh, I think the thing that became a surprise to me was me being called back to NXT. But once I was there, I don't think that it was a surprise to me that I won the championship because I feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I've worked my ass off to, to earn it. I feel like I, uh, you know, I earned the, 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 the spot of, of being, you know, the face of the cruiserweight division just because of everything that, the, you know, that I've done and sacrificed and the time, effort and hard work that I put in to invest in myself, to show people that, you know, not only am I uh, the best or think or believe that I'm the best in the world at this, but uh, that I can, you know, be uh, a face of a division and of a brand. So, yeah, I, I don't think me winning the championship uh, came as a surprise to me because I knew that I was going to work my ass off to get to get it. Yeah, I think that was the, the best thing was that it was like, you know, when, when I seen that you were back, I was like, oh, it's a little bit surprising just because of how you were feeling when you spoke to me the time before. But when I seen that you were put, you know, that spotlight was on you, I was like, well, he's obviously going to make people realise why he's back because, you know, you, you'd kind of shown that anyway. So it was, it was brilliant to see. Um, another thing that, you know, this is a kind of bittersweet thing that I really liked seeing. Um, it was when those releases happened and you put out, a statement, a really nice heartfelt statement. And for me, it was just like, when I read it, I was like, that is a real sign of maturity. Um, that, you know, a lot of people, if, if you'd have read some of the stuff that, you know, was being said online six months previous, people might not have expected that kind of statement to come out. Um, how did, you know, what did you think when you were typing that and when you put it out about the people being released? Um, did you know yourself that you were one of them? And, you know, what was the, the mentality of you putting out that tweet about, everything's going to be okay uh yeah i i think i just i i heard what was going to happen that day uh you know via different media outlets um and i knew that it had to be true it had to be true if it was getting covered this much by mainstream uh news sites then it had to be true so I, in my head, I, I just, I knew that regardless of, you know, if I was going to be a part of it or not, it was going to be a very shitty situation and it was going to be messed up and it was going to be disappointing for a lot of people. Uh, so I, I just, I just figured that I put out something to let everybody know that all, I know that all of us are going through a hard time in, in life right now with the world pandemic going on. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you end up losing your job, just know that the wrestling world is an entire family and that, you know, you're going to be OK. We're all going to be OK because we're all looking out for each other. So I, I was just trying to lighten up the mood a little bit to, 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 to you know, tell people that, you know, I'm, I know something bad is about to happen. But just know at the end of it, you know, you know, me included, I, I got your back. So, um, but to answer your other question, I, 
I had a feeling that I was going to be one of the people just because of the lack of communication between me and WWE management, you know, weeks before. Um, so once I saw the news, I ended up calling the head of talent relations, which is Mark Carano. And uh, I just asked him straight up. I, I said, I'm seeing a whole bunch of stuff online about people are going to get released today. And I know it's true. So before I hear about it online, can you just tell me if I'm going to be one of these people released today? And he said uh, he was going to call me in a few minutes. But yes, um, you are one of those people who are going to be released today. Uh, and, you know, I didn't even question it. I didn't ask why. I didn't I didn't really say anything. I just said, OK, thank you. And I just kept it moving. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, the news broke. And I was a part of that first group of people who got released. Yeah, that's um, I'm going to get into some more lighter stuff uh, just after. I've got one last question before we bring it back up again. Um, <laughs> for me, I think, like, I don't know how you feel about it, but my favourite thing um, about the fact that you got released this time round, if you can have a favourite thing about someone being released, it's the fact that you didn't get released six months ago and you got that chance to have the platform and, and you know, do all the stuff that you've, you've done in NXT. Um, you mentioned earlier Triple H was the person that called you back um, to get you back on television, essentially. Before that, there was a lot of talk, you know, you having backstage heat. It's always my favourite term that everyone uses, backstage heat from people that normally don't know anything about what's going on backstage. Um, right now, where are you with, you know, Triple H and Vince McMahon? Did it end on good terms or is there sourness there? I really don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, that first that first hiatus that I had from the company, I was dealing with Vince. And uh, yeah, he had said that he was going to reach out to me at some point, um, you know, during my time home. But I just never got a call from anybody or heard anything from anybody. So I was dealing with Vince at that point. Um, but then once I came back, uh, to the company, and I, I started to uh, wrestle for 205 Live again, you know, being at the same tapings as Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Uh, you know, I, I saw Vince. I would see Vince all the time, and he would just, he would uh, he would say, you know, hey, good to see you. Um, hope you're doing okay, and stuff like that. So it felt like, you know, even though he didn't reach back out to me uh, after the initial hiatus, I felt like he still acknowledged me still acknowledged you know uh the fact that i was away and now i'm back so that was a good feeling uh to have you know from the boss but uh you know triple h and i don't know if it ended on good terms or not uh because we, i feel like me and hunter we 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 clashed heads a lot you know we were always in uh disagreement as far as you know what the plan was for me and you know, how he saw me, uh, you know, as a character or how he saw me as an asset to, you know, the brand. I feel like we were just always disagreeing all the time. Uh, and it sucked because, you know, obviously, like I looked up to, to Triple H, you know, as a kid and stuff like that. So uh, it was weird to try to break that separation from being, you know, an, an, an admirer of his. Yeah. Uh, but now at the same time, I'm an employee of his and he's my boss. So I, I was hard for me to separate the two. And it was kind of disappointing every time I had a conversation with him. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, the lack of communication, um, leading up to, 
the oh, the the initial release was with Hunter. You know, I was I was I was having like some back and forth conversations with him, and then out of nowhere, it just kind of stopped for weeks. It just stopped, and uh, that's how I knew that you know something was something was weird, something wasn't right, and uh, yeah, I felt like it was coming. My release was coming. You obviously kind of said that wrestling isn't really in your mind right now. It's mainly the music. Is there anywhere wrestling-wise you've got your eye on that you would like to compete in before you hang up the boots, so to speak? Yeah, that's a really that's a really tough question. I think that just goes back to my tweet. Um, you know, it's going to take a lot for me to, you know, just put myself back in that situation, and not even just financially. So, uh, yeah, I think I think I just I'm going to have to cross that bridge when I get to it. Definitely, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And just like last time, it was an absolute honour to speak to you and a nice, lovely, a lovely little chat from me. So thank, thank you so you. much. Yes, you too, man. appreciate you. So that's it for this week's Wrestling Daft Mark Show. That was a busy one. That was a busy one this week. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple or get us wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can check out the video version if you sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. Catch us on a Tuesday. You can catch Rab and Grado on a Friday. We have no idea who's coming on this week's show. I won't even pretend. <laughs> There was there was a dispute about There's so much anticipation every week. Where there was there was a dispute about getting Eugene on the show because it was the first time I ever hear, heard Rab and Gradle argue was last <laughs> week when we were talking about gimmicks and the worst gimmicks and uh, Rab said Eugene and Gradle completely defend it. So Gradle was going to get Eugene on, but I don't think Rab's up for that after slating him last week. So it uh, will be a mystery who's on this week's show. So. I think I think you need to start looking into guests that Rab has offended just to see. I, I was going to say you need to get both Eugene and Conan on at the same time <laughs> would be ideal, and maybe Chuck Alistair Black in there as well. That'd be. <laughs> I know. Um, just call the podcast Rab's Worst Nightmare. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you would love me for that. So we'll find out who's on on Friday why don't you get your obviously your merch you get your wrestling daft face mask and all get slated for that shop.spreadshirt.co.uk I think you need to get points for taking advantage of the situation thank you Alex thank you Alex and keeping people safe absolutely that's what it's all public safety that's what I'm all about Um, before we go uh, list of wrestling daft this week I fucked it up again, not having a great week, I'll be honest with you. Um, it was Best Intercontinental Champions uh, versus uh, Best Moments in AEW, and then I realised we did Best Intercontinental Best Champions. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, you got a t-shirt out of it, John. <laughs> on uh, episode six. So we're going to go for the best moments in AEW so far since it's the anniversary of uh, Double or Nothing, as we spoke about. Gents, favourite moment in AEW so far? Alex, come to you first, the mark of AEW. See, I think, I, can I just say Chris Jericho entirely for the entire thing <laughs> and every moment he's been on TV from commentary to the ring to the backstage segments, apart from the flim flam, he's been just MVP. Yeah. Gary? I was going to go for the obvious, the thing I've got in my background of the Cody Rhodes moonsault off the cage, but it's not. It's another Cody Rhodes moment, and it is the end of the Cody Rhodes Dustin Rhodes match with it embraced in the middle of the ring. I think that's unbeatable yeah. for me. I need my brother. Oh my God. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot. To, I'm looking forward to being able to do a whole show breaking down their year. I think it's been phenomenally good. There's. A lot more positive than negative to talk about, but I will admit I'm pretty fucking biased. 
Yeah, well, we'll be doing a bonus episode on that, which you'll be able to get on the Patreon as well. We're looking forward to doing that with a couple of beers next week. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us, as usual, on Wrestling Daft. Oh, before I go, I've got a challenge for you. In fact, I'll start it off, right? But I just thought, Paul, we're still in lockdown for the next wee while, right? And I, hopefully this will get with the listeners as well. I want the listeners and everyone to get involved with this as well. Is recreating in your own house wrestlers' entrances, right? <laughs> I love a certain Mr. Graham Steely. I love it. Yeah. So I want you, I want, I'll, I'm going to set the bar and I'll, I'm going to do one for next week, which I'll put up on the Twitter and all that sort of stuff, right? But then it's going to be your turn, you two guys, to, to do it. Okay. Well, you see, John, right, can I, can I raise you one? So um, I have a couple of pre-made entrance videos that I can send you for a video game tournament that me and my friends partake in quite regularly. <laughs> I want to see those. Would that count instead? I will. I will. I will put them through. There's some truly classic ones. Like one of my friends, he he spent. He just walks through the city and like just posing like that. And I feel quite bad for his poor girlfriend that has to film it. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to that. But yeah, you've got to recreate a wrestler's entrance. So um, a homemade wrestling entrance video. So we'll be doing that. I'll do one for next week. But then you two get thinking because I'm going to put the challenge to you guys next week. Okay, and that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've been wrestling Daft the Marks. Until next time, what's my catchphrase again? Mark out or something. <laughs> Keep on marking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of changed it. Next time, we'll see you on the Marks. Until then, keep marking out. <laughs> it's not that, is it? It's not that. It's I'm, I'm not sure you can have a catchphrase that you forget for a start. I think that kind of defeats the purpose. It's for side catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs>